Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. As a CFP and RFC, George McReynolds' mission is to help people create compelling dreams for their future, the plans to attain them, and the time to enjoy them. This is the Prosper Podcast. Hey, gang, welcome into this edition of the Prosper Podcast with George McReynolds. George, buddy, what's going on? How are you this go-round? I'm doing fantastic, Mark. Thanks for asking. We are firmly into May, and hopefully, uh, you know, you've got some, what was it, the April showers bring May flowers, so hopefully the... uh, April whatever has brought a better May <laughs> than, <laughs> than you had in April and then everybody had in April. Hopefully your May is doing well better. We are uh, firmly ensconced in the middle of that, but uh, we're going to kind of ch- try to keep it focused on what we typically talk about here on the podcast, which is investing, finance, and retirement. And we've got some uh, critical retirement planning mistakes, a, a list of a couple of these for you to uh, hopefully avoid. So we're going to get into that this week. So let's talk about some of these common mistakes, George, that we see time and time again by retirees and pre-retirees uh, as we hope you know hope to edge more and more in normalcy week by week and uh, month by month. Some of the tried and true things that go into retirement, because regardless of how you feel about whatever's been happening, you know, retirement's still coming, like, you know, hitting a point in your life where you can no longer work or uh, whether it's mentally, physically or whatever the case is, uh, or don't want to work or whatever the you know, situation might be, it's still coming regardless of what's happening in, in world climates and world events. So uh, there's still mistakes that can be made, missteps that can be taken. So we want to try to avoid those to have the retirements that we uh, all want to uh, hope for and dream of. So let's talk about a few on my list here, considering bonds, for example, to be a safe investment. Now, certainly bonds have have been all over the map here through all of this. What's your take? Well, some decades, bonds are actually more risky and more volatile than stocks are. Uh, Within the last week, Fannie Mae said that they expect to see 3% fixed mortgages in 2021. That means interest rates, they expect to come down. And when interest rates go down, that's a good thing for bondholders, but it can't possibly last. We're, we're at virtually 0%. We've got the uh, 10-year treasury under 2%, and uh, it can go up a whole lot more than it can go down. And there's a concept called duration, which I don't want to explain mathematically, but for every year of duration, your portfolio will gain or lose 1% for each year of duration. There's a lot more potential with interest rates going up, and that's going to be bad for bonds. Long term, it doesn't usually keep up with inflation. So you certainly can't put all of your money into bonds. Uh, inflation will eat it up. But over the next year or two, there, there's some opportunities in it. But that's for traders, not for serious investors. Has the uh, virus situation impacted the way you view bonds uh, when it comes to how you talk with your clients about it? Uh, yes, Uh one of the things we saw early on, uh, bonds were really getting clobbered as interest rates were getting lowered. And a big part of it was liquidity, just like we saw in 2008, 2009. Even the the conservative investments had to be sold in order to provide liquidity. And there, there's been a couple of flukes. The, uh, the spread between treasury bonds and corporate bonds and junk bonds is really much higher than normal, almost double what it normally is. And that's not a good sign. Um, so another item on the list here, George, uh, to consider on these critical retirement planning mistakes is not protecting yourself against the long-term care needs. You know, that's going to be kind of the given. I think that's one of those things that people tend to, uh, shy away from all the time, not just during, you know, during the, the crisis downturn, because it's 
whatever, whatever reason you want to put it to it, but it's just one of those things that people have a really hard time dealing with. Yeah, and I've got a couple uh, points to make on that. Previously, if you hit age 85, there was a 50% probability that you would spend time in a nursing home at some point. And I recently saw one company quoted that it's 50% probability at some point once you're age 65. So at some point during your life, there's a 50-50 chance you're going to end up in a nursing home. If there was a 50-50 chance of my house burning down, I'd uh, I'd really try to take some uh, precautions and I definitely would uh, make sure the insurance premiums got paid. But the long-term care isn't just about the the insurance. Uh, there are other ways to do it. If you're well, if you've got enough money, you can just pay for your care. Uh, and if you have no money, you're not going to make a difference uh, because you're not going to be able to keep up the insurance. But 50-50 those are pretty steep odds, but there's a catch 22 that that's happening now. And I think it's going to continue at least for the rest of my life that you cannot retain your wealth if you don't maintain your health and you won't be able to maintain your health if you don't maintain your wealth, that the cost of good health is going to become greater and the cost of bad health is going to be even worse. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, all right, so obviously a very popular one that's that's always the case and certainly would have been good if we had not kind of fallen into this lull of how well the market was doing prior to this downturn What was not guarding ourselves against possible market declines. Um, COVID or not, you know, downturns are going to happen. You know, I mean, it's you know, the history of the market shows that. Yes, it uh, it happens. We should see at least a twenty percent decline about every every three years. Uh, I've recently been playing with a spreadsheet that has all the returns of the S and P five hundred going back for like seventy five years, and I've been playing. What if you only got half of the return, but you took out all of the below zeros, all the loss years, and you only got half of the return on the upside? Your actual return would be about twenty to twenty five percent lower. But the probability of your income being stable is greater. And it's what we call sequence of return risk. It's not just how much risk you're taking, but how much you're taking out when those declines happen. Well, you know, George, you and I are no stranger to having some procedures done. And we've talked about that before. And our brain does a really good job of allowing us to forget the pain that we went through, uh, you know, during a procedure or a recovery or whatever the case is. And the kind of same thing kind of happens when it comes to market downturns, right? We go long enough, especially when a really long run like we just had, uh, where you kind of forget the pain of an 08. And what happens is you, you know, you do get kind of lulled into that uh, situation that we just found ourselves in and then get smacked with this global event and boom, right? You know, people felt like they were, you know, hit maybe harder than they might have been or might have normally been had they been thinking about or guarding against declines ahead of time, especially again, based on your time horizon. Right. In uh, behavioral finance, that's called recency, that people Recen- value oh, yeah. what's mm-hmm. happened recently right. more than things that happened long ago. Yeah. The recency bias. Yeah. Uh, assuming that one particular financial tool is always good or bad. Another common mistake. Uh, I think people sometimes tend to gravitate to whatever they hear something enough times and marketing is great for this, whether it's the positive or the negative, as we clearly know from politics or anything else, if you say something often enough, you can convince people just about of anything. And so what's your take on assuming that any one particular vehicle is always good or always bad? 
I'm frequently amused by by this one where people say, oh, the banks never lose money. You can always be in bank stocks or real estate never goes down or some of these other things. And it's comical because you know I started investing in 1974 shortly after Nixon resigned. And uh, I've seen a lot of things happen, a lot of disasters. I saw you know the Hunt brothers, billionaires, went into bankruptcy chasing or trying to corner the, the silver market. But the fact is, I heard this from uh, Paul Pilzer a uh, long, long time ago. You can't corner the market because the market has no corners. And at some point, when when prices go up a certain amount, innovation always steps in and something starts to move in another direction. At a certain point, when silver prices got so high in 1980, Kodak, who, who was the biggest uh, user of silver, came out with a, a new process for developing photographs. So really, the market has no corners that you, you have to keep moving. You have to pay attention that you can't set it and forget it. It's never going to happen. That's a great saying. I like that. Um, you know, so when it comes to making, com- you know, the common mistakes that people see uh, or that the advisors like George, tend, excuse me, tend to see uh, when planning for retirement is some of the items we've covered. And then the biggest one is just not doing anything, just not having a plan. Uh, a lot, oftentimes, I don't even know if it's from the lack of thinking about it that way. I think it's more of just, I have a collection of stuff, so I should be good. I have a 401k or an IRA or a you know, social security, or maybe you're lucky enough to have a pension and you kind of think that you have a plan and you don't, you just have a collection of stuff and you really have to work with someone to kind of pull this all together to give it purpose and reason. I was out uh, looking at a a home in, in farm country and it was really great on three acres. It had stables It had all kinds of electronic uh, gadgets, all cutting edge. And the thing that surprised me was that there were great rooms, but you could see that there was never a plan on how this house was going to look when they were done. They did a little bit over here. They did a little bit over there and they really did excellent work, but they never really brought the whole property together. Mm. Um, I gotcha. Doing like the remodeling stuff in, in and of itself looked pretty good, but it didn't cohesively come together to make the house look better. Exactly. We have a little space over here. What can we do with it? Right. Oh, this will be a sitting room and that'll be a bedroom. And this will be, uh, it, it, it was just, uh, oh, sporadic. That's a, yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. individually. Those rooms were fantastic, but as a whole, eh, not so much. Right. Okay. So it's a simple way of thinking about our, our retirement plans, taking these items that we're collecting, especially sometimes we kind of collect these things through the years, right, George? And then, and then sitting down, working with someone, pulling them all together, and then getting that cohesive vision so that moving forward, they're all working together in tandem. There you go. That's a, that's a good way of looking at that, folks. And of course, as always, if you've got some questions, you need a second opinion or don't have a plan or whatever the case might be, you can always reach out to George. Uh, you can check us out at the website for prosperpodcast.com. That is prosperpodcast.com. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to us uh, by Apple or Google or Spotify or whatever you know uh, outlet you choose to use. You can find it on the webpage or you can just search it in their own uh, if you're using the app, just search the Prosper Podcast. If you've caught this some other way and you haven't subscribed to it yet, you can certainly do it that way. All right. And I think we'll finish off this week here, George, with an email question. We'll wrap it up with one we haven't done those in a couple of weeks. So let's take an email question then from Trevor over in Springhouse. And he says, George, can you clarify whether I can start my social security benefit and still earn income or not? I've heard different things and I get confused about the options. 
Well, once you hit your full retirement age, which could be 66, 66 and a half or whatever, depending on the year that you were born, once you reach that, you can work as much as you want and earn as much as you want. Uh, of course, we're talking about earnings. We're not talking about investment income or or any other kind of, uh, of money that you get. Uh, it's only for earnings, like from a job or self-employment. But if you're going to work before you reach that uh, full retirement age, then you lose $1 of benefits for every $2 that you make above a threshold. So $1 in benefits you lose for every $2 above the threshold. And for 2020, that threshold is 18240 So basically, you could make up to about $1,500 a month, and it won't affect your social security. But if you start to make more than that, you'll lose you'll lose half of it for every dollar you make over that uh, fifteen hundred a month. All right, well, there you go, Trevor. Hopefully that helps you out a little bit. We appreciate you checking out the podcast and listening to us and sending an email question. And if you'd like to do the same again, you can go to prosperpodcast.com. That's prosperpodcast.com, or you can go to mcwealth.com. That's mcwealth.com, and that's where, of course, George is a wealth manager and chief tax strategist. And uh, George, as always, my friend, thank you so much for doing the podcast with me. I appreciate you sharing some time and information with the folks, and uh, hopefully you have yourself a great week, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Mark. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. We'll see you next time, folks. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Google or Spotify or Apple or whatever platform it is that you choose to listen to your podcasts on. You know, everybody's changing the way they do things nowadays. Uh, whether you sync up your you know phone to your car when you go someplace or you're wearing your earbuds or your wireless headphones or noise canceling or whatever it might be when you're doing different things around the house or just playing it over the uh, the little speakers or whatnot, subscribe to the podcast so you can you know check out these 10, 15 minute little episodes that we do around investing, finance, and retirement with George McReynolds, again, a wealth manager and chief tax strategist. And we'll see you next time here on the Prosper Podcast. George McReynolds of McReynolds Wealth Management, registered principal. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member, FINRA SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and McReynolds Wealth Management are not affiliated. Advanced level tax planning, income, tax preparation, life coaching, and time management consulting services, and fixed insurance products and services are separate and unrelated to Cambridge. Cambridge does not offer tax advice.